Good to see everybody today. Glad that you have made it. And uh, we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 today. I'd encourage you to turn there if you could today. We'll have some of it on the screen, but we'll be using it a little bit uh, differently as we go through part of it. wanted to uh, mention to be praying for the Dora Baldwin family. Dora passed away this end of this week. And uh, so we don't know details yet concerning a uh, celebration service of her life later. But uh, please keep the family in your prayers, niece and nephew of Dora. All right. Well, today we finish up our series that we started a number of weeks back on being battle ready. And uh, today, we, as you see on the outline, is our most potent weapon. Now, let me encourage you today. We had a little bit of miscommunication getting things up. Uh, for our PowerPoints, so the uh, actual first point will not be on, you, you have an outline, if you fill it out, there'll be a 1A and a 1B, that'll be the easiest way to say it. Uh, the first uh, point will not be on the screen, I don't believe, but uh, you can mark it down in your sheet and uh, go from there. So I apologize for that today, but uh, sometimes those things happen. And today, as I said, we finish up this series. We've talked a lot about the parts of a Roman soldier, what he would wear in order to be ready for battle. Well, it's the same for us spiritually. We need to be ready for spiritual battle. We need to be ready to face the enemy and know that we will be strong and we will be safe. And God has equipped us, if we use the parts of, the, uh, of what a soldier would wear, so that we can be protected. We talked the first week about the belt of truth and how important truthfulness is in our lives. Absolute truth, knowing that if somebody says your name or your name is mentioned, that they know you're a person of honor and integrity. Then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. It would come down over the head, cover the vital organs, and would be connected to the belt of truth. You know, righteousness, right living, goes with truth, doesn't it? And so if we're going to be the kind of person God wants us to be, we need to make sure we're having it on. Number three, we talked about our feet uh, wearing shoes that have the gospel of peace. We talked about it defensively and offensively. Defensively, we stand uh, for the truth. We are ready to, to battle anyone when it comes to standing for the truth. We live in a culture today that says there are no absolute truths, and it's amazing when they say that because that is an absolute statement by them. Makes no sense. So there are absolute truths. We stand for them, and then for the gospel of peace, we march forward sharing Jesus with others. That's our responsibility. That's our privilege that we have. Fourth, we talked about the shield of faith. Satan throws those fiery darts at us. He bombards our minds with thoughts that are wrong, thoughts that are evil, things that would wound and attack us, whether it comes from uh, just something in our minds or comes from somebody else. And so we hold up that shield of faith, and the Bible says, as we do, it quenches those fiery darts that come our way. May we realize how powerful it is, the equipment that God has given us to be secure as a soldier of Christ. We talked about the helmet of salvation. It goes along a lot with that idea of our thoughts, our mind, what goes in, what goes out, and how we have to be protected. We talked the last time about the sword of the Spirit, and the Bible says, which is what? The word of God, yes. And so it's interesting how all these things pull together. We can't have a right mindset, a right mind thought, unless we know what the Word of God says. 
Otherwise, we just come up with our own things out of the air and say, hey, guess what? I think I'll believe that. But when we realize God has given us his word, it helps us know what our minds should be thinking. I shared with you, I believe, that Sunday as we began to look at it, we talked about it, how it's so easy for things to come in our heads, and it's like we don't want them there, and we, we know they're not wrong, they're not right to think about it toward a person, toward a subject, toward whatever, and we say, no, I don't want to think about that, and it only intensifies. So we realize that we have a Savior who is also king, and we, as in 2 Corinthians, I believe in chapter 8, it says that we bring every thought captive into obedience to Christ. In other words, we say, Jesus, I cannot get these thoughts out of my head. It just isn't working. But I'm asking you to take them captive so they will not control my thoughts and my minds. And when we see that, it's amazing what God will do. Amen? He helps us in those situations. We know sometimes we forget that this is a real battle. I remember a friend of mine named Dave, he was a close friend with me. He started a church in Gehenna near Columbus, Ohio. For about a year or more, he started getting extremely sick on Saturday night and on Sunday mornings. He found out later through connections that there were a coven of witches who prayed every single Saturday night against him physically. He battled really severely. I was just listening this week to Chuck Swindoll. Some of you may be familiar with him, a great expositor of the Word of God, and he was telling a true story about a member uh, of his church was flying somewhere, and they were bringing the food around on the airplane, and, and the person beside him was given food, but he wasn't eating. And so that person, that member, looked at him and said, Are you not hungry today? This was his statement. He said, I'm a Satanist. And we're fasting and praying for the downfall of marriages of 100 pastors. You know, sometimes we, we forget these things, don't we? We think, oh, yeah, let's just have a nice party. Let's look and say, oh, that's nice. Now I know what the Bible says I'm to do. And we forget that there really is a battle. Sometimes you face things and you think, man, I'm just having a rough day. Did you ever think sometimes why you're having that rough day? Sometimes it's because you have an enemy who hates you because you proclaim the name of Jesus and you think that nothing's going to ever happen. We need to re be reminded, Jesus said there is a battle and we need to be prepared for it and we can be prepared for it as we put on the armor, as we prepare ourselves for literal battle. There's one key advantage, I believe, that the Christian soldier had over the Roman soldier. And it's found in what we're going to look at today. And although I believe some of those Roman soldiers used it, it wasn't a part of their physical armor. We call it today the weapon of prayer. I'm so thankful for prayer, aren't you? I'm so thankful that God gives us the power to bring everything before him, knowing that he can help us in every way. I can't even imagine how many times I used to hear Dr. Jerry Falwell say when I was at Liberty University that nothing of eternal importance is ever accomplished apart from prayer. And yet, how often do we fail to pray? I was recently reading a biography that was written by his wife, Maisel, before she had passed away. She wanted others to know the Jerry that she knew. 
And she said without fail, every morning, he would literally just turn the shower on and spend 45 minutes every morning just letting the water run, taking that time to pray. And he had certain blocks on his shower that reminded him of certain areas to be praying for. You see, when we really believe in prayer, we will really pray. A friend of mine named Daniel Henderson, he has a a ministry called Strategic Renewal. He said this, I can do a lot of things for God after I pray, but I can't really do anything for God until I pray. Oh, if we would grab that to heart, if we would take that and realize that you cannot stand in front here, you cannot teach a class, you cannot do anything inside or outside of the church to be eternally effective unless you are bathing it in prayer. God says this is the weapon he has given to us. Sadly, I've watched great men of God fall by starting to lean upon their own abilities and not on prayer. And may I say this, that powerlessness in the church comes through powerlessness in the believer when they fail to pray. God calls his people to be people of prayer. And so we need to be people of prayer. What a wonderful privilege we as believers have to come boldly before God's throne in prayer. And how wonderfully our Heavenly Father answers. You know, there's something valuable about praying the Scriptures. How many have ever done that? Or do you even know what I mean? Praying the Scriptures. It's a wonderful tool. It's something that you just personalize. And so I thought today what I would do, and the reason I had you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians 6, is I made the scriptures that we began to look at the very first, second week that we began this series. And we began talking about it, and it starts in verse 10. And I've made it a personal prayer so that as you follow along and see what Paul says, that maybe you can take to heart what it means to even begin to pray the scriptures to help you. This is what I wrote concerning me in my prayer. Finally, Lord, help me to be made strong in you through the power of your might. Help me to place on the whole armor of God so I can stand against the schemes of the devil. I realize I do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers who are over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, I am taking up the whole armor of God so that I can withstand when the evil day comes in my life, knowing I have done all to stand firm. I realize the way I stand is by fastening on the belt of truth, by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, by putting on as shoes the readiness to stand and share as given to me through the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, Lord, help me to take up the shield of faith so I can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Help me to receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, your word. Help me to pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Help me to keep alert and persevere and pray for all my fellow believers that they especially may boldly make known to others the gospel. You see, when you begin to internalize and make the word of God something in you, you begin to pray and say, God, this is what you've told me. And Lord, this is my prayer back to you that I want to see take place in my life, through my life. Then we begin to realize what privileges we have, not just praying in normal ways, but praying even through the scriptures. 
In response to Paul's challenge on prayer, he said this as we read verse 18 through the scriptures, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And so when we look at this weapon of prayer, we realize it's most effective as we search the scriptures this morning. Number one, when it's personal. Now, this one may not be on the screen at this time, but that's the first fill-in if you want to add a fill-in at the beginning. My weapon of prayer is most effective when it is personal. You know, I love to hear and say about Dr. Falwell's prayer life. I love to talk about Daniel Henderson. He came in, we brought him into a church. He revitalized the prayer life of, of our church because he taught us how to pray corporately. I love talking about those people, but you know what? I can talk all day long about those people and it does me absolutely no good unless I decide in my heart, I am going to be a person of prayer. I am going to come before God's throne and I am going to realize I am in a spiritual battle. And when I come in prayer, I'm not just saying a bunch of words. I'm not just saying a few things so that I can know I prayed today. I am coming realizing that the, the, some of the weapons of my warfare come when I can pray and ask the one who can solve the issues, solve the problems, get us through life, Help us be victorious as the one that we're praying to, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's crucial that our prayer is personal. There's nothing sweeter or more vital than your communion with the Lord. You have the blessed privilege to speak with your Creator, your Savior, in incredibly personal ways. I love when I read in the Old Testament in Genesis where it talks about a man named Enoch. Enoch didn't die. The Bible says Enoch walked with God. Can you imagine what that was like, walking with God? In other words, his communion together, his communication with the Lord was so natural. They were just so tight, so close. God said, you know what? I'm enjoying this so much, I'm just bringing you up with me. That's what he did. We can share what's on our heart when we pray personally. We can share the joys. Lord, thank you for. Lord, I praise you for. We can share the sorrows of our hearts, even to the degree that we might not even know how to say what we feel. We can share our concerns. We can throw out our questions to him because our prayer becomes incredibly personal. Let me ask you today, is that your prayer life? If you've been a Christian very long, that should be your prayer life. It should be a natural breathing in and breathing out of your communication with your Lord. Listen, that's always a challenge for us, isn't it? But that should be something that is a priority because when we put priorities in the right perspective, God begins to bless us and use us in different ways. So if our prayer, weapon of prayer is going to be effective, it must be personal. Number two, it is to be continual. Verse 18 talked about we are to pray always on all kind of occasions. Today, I wish you'd pray for a young man named Daniel. He's in the hospital. His dad, by the same name, called me yesterday. He's having a rough time. So he said, I'm just going to call some of my pastor friends and, and ask you to pray. Immediately, I 
began to pray in my heart as I'm talking to him. And he asked, I asked if I could share that with our church. He said, yes, because he believes in prayer. We pray on all kinds of occasions. We pray with belief and fervency. Let me ask you this. How would you pray if you were in a real physical battle? <laughs> How would you be crying out to God? Or, or, or you're in that moment where you realize you're going to be in a wreck. I remember one time I was in Somerset, Pennsylvania. Dropped Nita off Christmas time. We were in college. I came along this little place doing about 20 miles an hour. And all of a sudden I realized, oh no, I'd have no control. And that telephone pole moved right in front of me. We didn't really move. I moved. But you know what? Immediately, I, without a moment's notice, man, you're praying. When you're in a sense of physical warfare, you pray out loud. But do we realize we are just as much, as I said at the beginning, in spiritual warfare? That's why prayer is so crucial to the life of the believer through the years and even in seasons of my own life. I've allowed my prayer life to go where it should not go. In other words, I'm not praying much. And all of a sudden, the difficulties that would normally come become great and mighty against me because I have not been having and using my weapon of prayer. And so, therefore, God says, I've given you a gift, but you have to use it. You have to take it. It has to be real to you. You have to pray with belief and with fervency. It doesn't mean it has to be loud. It means it has to be genuine in the hearts. Now, it can be loud, and it can be calling out to God. There's nothing wrong, quiet, silent, loud, as long as you are doing it genuinely from within you. We're to pray, as the familiar verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Be in an attitude of prayer. Isn't it great? You're going down the road, you're driving, you're here, you're there, and you're just communing with the Lord. I know you've got to pay attention to the traffic, but isn't it great that you can just talk? May I encourage you sometimes, turn off the radio. Don't worry about anything else going on. Get quiet before God. And when you do, God will meet with you as you meet with Him. If someone was to ask you about your prayer life this, this past week in 25 words or more, what would you tell them? See, it's easy to tell less, isn't it? If it was more, what would you say? Let me tell you about my prayer life this week. And it shouldn't be something that we should be ashamed about. Sometimes we say, you know, it was a struggle. I was incredibly busy. It was hard. It was difficult. But I thank God for this day and that day and these moments. That weapon God has given us is to be used continually. Number three, it's all-encompassing. There's a form to it. It says, with prayer and supplication. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, I urge then first of all, did you get this, what Paul's telling this, this pastor? First of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. In other words, God wants us to have a healthy prayer life. He wants us to be praying for all kind of things. Petitions, those things we bring out to God concerning issues. 
prayers, maybe in general, intercession where we're praying for people specifically, thanksgiving. You know what? Too often, and I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for these, but too often we pray more about health than we pray about praise. How often do you give as much praise time to the Lord as you do, God, I need this and this and that and something else? And you got to help them too. Don't forget that. None of those are wrong. Please don't take me wrong. But I'm saying we often use our focus to say, God, here's my gimme list, and God, here is my thank you list. All kinds of prayer, all encompassing. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but every, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. When we pray, it calms us down. Because all of a sudden we realize it's not me who has to deal with and settle the situation. It is our God. When you're feeling anxious, you pray, you bring it to him. And as we pray, it builds our faith because we see God do amazing things. Does God always answer our prayers as we give them to him? We say, thank God, no. Because we've all looked back and we've had prayers that we look later on and says, man, God, <laughs> I thought I was praying a good one there, but that thing, I'm so glad you didn't answer it the way that I thought you should. And there's those other times where we say, Lord, I don't understand why you answered it the way you did, but I still trust you. It builds our faith as we come before the Lord. And so there's form to our prayers. There's general types of things. We pray specifically. You know, I've heard people say, Lord, bless the missionaries of the world. And while they're praying, I say, God, please don't answer his prayer. You know why? Because there's all kind of cult missionaries all over the world. Why in the world would I want God to answer their prayers? You know, we have a group of people we need to be praying for now, and I'll go ahead and mention it so I don't forget. It's called the Hope Center. We've taken them on as a church. How many times have you been praying for them? for that ministry, for Brian and Sarah who help oversee it. We're going to have Dante come in about three weeks, and a group of men are going to come here again. They're going to share an update of what God has been doing. Three, I think, graduated Friday night. I saw it on Facebook. That means they made a whole year staying clean and getting their lives straight with Jesus' help. There's others who walk away. We, we heard that story. Jeff and I went up there about a week and a half ago. But it's amazing. So how are we praying? How are we supporting, helping them? Specific prayers. Prayers, as I said, of thanksgiving and praise. And then what about family? The Bible said there in the verses we read, all the saints, our church family, as I said, our missionaries, special requests. You know, may I encourage you? Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, would you pray about, I, I made it a habit, I don't, every time get it right, but I try to do this. As soon as I say, would you pray for, well, I'm even talking and listening. I'm starting to pray. Because you know what? I find out I have a mind that forgets. How about you? And if I don't write it down and get it in my app that I pray for, too often I forget some of those things. So begin right there. And at least if you don't even remember to pray for it again, you know you've prayed for it at least once. Amen? Go for it and do it. Pray for one another to boldly share the gospel. When's the last time you prayed for somebody to do that? 
Lord, I pray that this person will boldly share the gospel. You have placed them in a position right now coming up that it will happen. I remember one of my professors praying because he always shared the gospel. He said, I'm going to be close to this person who is a very prominent person on the same plane. I'm praying that God will give me the opportunity to share Jesus with them. Why? He wanted us to be praying that God would open that door. Paul said, pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. One of the reasons I enjoy doing funerals is to help give comfort and hope. And this was an incredibly busy week. But probably 200 people, whether they're Christian or not Christian, I had the privilege to share Jesus with to give them a sense of hope that when that moment comes for them, hopefully they know him. Not pushing and shoving the gospel down somebody's throat, but sharing so that the Spirit of God can take the Word of God, massage the heart and the mind so that he can speak to their hearts. We're to pray for those who don't know Christ. Listen, who's on your prayer list regularly that doesn't know Jesus that you are fervently praying for? I hope that you're thinking of a number of people. I've been doing this for a lot of years, so I could probably give you about 60 or 80 every week that I pray for, usually by name. And if I don't know their name, it's because they're second or third generation down in the family. Who is it you're praying for? You see, we're fellow soldiers. And so as a pastor, may I challenge and gently rebuke you, maybe just for a moment. You see, I believe when our church and any church realizes and utilizes the power of prayer, there is no stopping us from what God wants to do. Do you believe that? You know, it's so amazing. As a pastor, I'm always worried, who can I ask to pray (laughs) out loud? I would love for you to, if you don't learn to pray out loud, learn to do it. Such a blessing with others. It's such a, such a healing time as you come before the Lord together. Sadly, most churches have very weak prayer services. I wonder if we asked that we're going to have a prayer service, how many would show up? Well, that doesn't sound very important. Well, then let's just go ahead and rip Ephesians 6 right out of here. You got your Bible? Ready? That's what we say when we're not willing to really fervently pray. It's hard to get someone at times. So daily ask the Spirit of God to stir you up in Him. Which leads to the next one, it's Spirit-empowered. Our prayer needs to be Spirit-empowered. We need to pray. When we pray of our own power, it's always weak. You know, it's interesting. David Jeremiah was sharing a a. a comparison of Old Testament battles versus New Testament spiritual battles. And he said this, a study of Old Testament wars reveals that when the armies of Israel fought in their own strength, they always lost. But when they cast themselves upon God's mercy, victory always followed. Do we get the picture? Do we see the vital importance of praying before God? Not saying, well, yeah, I can handle this. Man, they asked me to do this. I got it covered. Well, it's nice to have some confidence, but it's nice to say, God, I've got it covered only if you help me. And Lord, I'm asking you right now to help me get this straight. Help me do this with fervency, with excellence, with everything that's in me. 
You see, God has, will do his part. Romans 8, 26 and 27, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through the wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. Charles Ryrie, in one of his books, he said that word weakness means our inability to pray intelligently about a situation. How many times we've we been there, Lord, I, I don't know all about this situation, so therefore I can't ask you specifically, but God, I need to pray about it. And so, Lord, I, therefore I'm asking you to do what only you can do because I can't tell you what to do and ask you what to do, but Lord, I'm trusting you to do it. We are to pray in the Spirit. We have already been given, the Bible says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we mix the Word of God knowing truth, and we pray truth, and we move it together, and we ask God to do something supernatural. Sometimes that word, that phrase, in pray in the Spirit, can sound scary. I don't even know what that means, Pastor. It just simply means that you're allowing the Spirit of God to control your life and you're asking that what you are praying for is in line with what God is saying and you're asking Him to do what only He can do through the power of His Spirit and see God do amazing works. That's God's part, our part. J. Vernon McGee said an effective prayer is more than just ramblings with our minds. It must be in the Spirit. Jude verse 20 said, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. It obviously includes submission to the Spirit of God. You can't say, I'm going to do my will, have my way, do everything I want to do, and God, you better fill in the blanks. No, it's God. I have no clue. I have desires and things on my heart, but Lord, I move them all aside and I submit myself to you so that you will do what is of most importance. And God, as I come before you, that's how I come to you, in a humble spirit, in a humble attitude. And we pray in submission and in the power of the Spirit. Number five, I pray, and I'm most effective when I'm wide awake. Now listen, I didn't see anybody nod today, so we're okay. I'm not talking about physically going to sleep. We all need that moment. I'm saying when we are spiritually alert. You see, if you're letting the Holy Spirit of God lead and guide in your life, you're going to be more sensitive to the things that you need to pray about and how you need to pray. And when you allow that to happen, you are being wide awake. You are being alert to the things of God. Warren Wiersbe said it this way, pray with your eyes open. Not these, but in here. Watch and pray. You know who said that to the disciples? Jesus. He told them, guys, you're falling asleep. You got to be with me. I need you right now. Watch and pray lest you also be tempted. He declared the importance of being alert. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 9 in the Old Testament Guess what the people were doing when the enemy started coming against them when we were trying to rebuild the wall? They were praying as they were working and watching for the enemy. You see, when we realize that Scripture over and over and over 
tells us these things. We need to grab a hold of them and use them and utilize them in our lives. I am to be on guard. I am to be vigilant. I am to be watching for the needs of others to the schemes of Satan. We need to be awake. And then the last, I am to be, if I'm going to be effective, I am persistent. One of my favorite portions of concerning prayer is Luke 18. We don't have time to delve into it today, but it's basically here comes this widow woman before this judge. She has been wronged and she is ticked about it. And therefore she goes to the only one who can take care of that situation, the judge of the city. She goes before him day after day after day. The Greek word gives the idea that this woman is nagging that guy. I know that never happens with our women today, but it happened then. She came forward because she was so certain that if she kept at it, this guy was going to deal with the issue in which she had been wronged. Do you get the idea of the fervency of prayers we need at times? Lord, I am not giving up because this thing has not been resolved. Lord, I am going to continue praying until I know it's going to happen. The Bible says the judge didn't really care about her, but he answered her request because she just kept coming. And then it said, how much more does the Lord want to help you and give you the Spirit of God to in those times of need? We just keep going. We stay persistent. Listen, some of you had family members, you know they're not walking with God, and man, it just seems like it's been years. Lord, when are they going to listen? And we don't give up. Amen? We believe. We see that written across the sky somewhere. God, I don't know when that day is, but I know that as long as I have breath, I will not quit. I will be persistent. I will be believing because it's not me that can change it. It is you. And I go to the one who can make the changes in life that are needed. So you don't give up on God and you don't stop praying. Some of you may say, well, Pastor, I hear all about that, but man, prayer's really not been a big part of my life. I don't even know how to pray. You know what I say? If you're a believer, the Spirit of God lives within you. You just start. There are ways you'll learn as you begin to pray that nobody else could teach you. Oh yeah, the scripture helps us. We just used Luke 18. But there are things you just know, and as you become comfortable with God, you begin to learn His ways. You begin to learn what it means to come before Him boldly, asking, trusting, knocking, going forward, doing all that you can do. May I challenge you, if you have a spouse, you should be praying with your spouse when I've done premarital counseling through the years, I've said, listen, there are going to be times in your life that you're going to wonder if you're going to survive because of what happens in life. And you had better know how to pray together at that moment. If you wait till that moment, 
You may crumble. You may falter. You may end up in divorce. I've seen say to statistics say those who have special needs children that are really severe, sometimes that's the most crisis moments. And it will either make them together or will break them. Spouses, pray together. Pray with your families. We learned as a family to pray in the car, going to church especially. That were our times. We turned everything off. We got before the Lord. Pray with your family. Pray with your Christian friends. You know, you'll get together, you'll talk about everything else. How about praying together once in a while? How about just saying, you know what? Let's just thank the Lord for a little bit. Let's just share our hearts to Him. You don't have to have a prayer request list. You can just say what is starting on your heart, and you begin to pray. And you know, when you get to begin to pray like that, you become close. I encourage ladies with ladies, men with men, unless you're married, but it's better that you learn to just pray together. As a pastor, very few things bless me more than that there are numbers of you who do a number of things. One, pray for me and my family. I mentioned this a while back, but I was in, uh, I think it was New Year's about uh, five years ago. In my home church, I had been gone from my home church since 19, can't even keep my days, 1992. So I'd been gone for well over 20, 25 years. First man who saw me said, I want you to know that I still pray for you, not once in a while, every day. That man will forever be dear on my heart. I love him. I appreciate him. When we pray regularly for God to reignite a passion for Jesus through our church. You know, I really believe so many issues of life would be solved if we focus on the right attention, not negating the others, but keep our focus well. And then asking God to move in themselves and in the heart of our church family. You see, God wants warriors who pray. God wants his people who will say, I, above everything else, will pray. You know, we've talked a lot about spiritual warfare over these last few months. It's real. It's in the supernatural realm. And yet the Bible says in Romans 8, 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I remember at the beginning when I shared two true stories about what had taken place concerning the battle. And it was almost like, <gasps> and I could see fear. Do we realize we have the victory already? We are fighting from victory. We're praying from victory, but we need to win battles. Amen. And the more we keep before the Lord, the more we, been, we win battles. So may I challenge you, get actively engaged in the battle and wear your whole armor well. Put it on, wear it every day. Let God work in you, challenge you, so that you will be effective for Him. You know, I don't say it too often. Maybe somebody here, I do say this, maybe you need to know Christ as your Savior. That's where your life begins new. Knowing Jesus personally. But maybe some of you, you need to be baptized after you've been saved. You need to join the church. You need to find a place of service. Listen, those are all crucial things. If you're not doing those things, you're not following what God has for you. And so I challenge you, use 
all the armor, and specifically today, use the weapon of prayer, as the scriptures say, above all else. When you put priorities in line, God will bless, God will lead. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. If God is challenging your heart, listen. Listen to what he's saying. Follow him. Obey him. Do what he asks you to do. Steve is going to come and lead us in a song in just a moment, but I encourage you, maybe even today God has challenged you. You just need to start fresh. The altar's open. That doesn't mean that you can't make a decision somewhere else, but sometimes when you sense God is pulling at your heart, you need to listen to the Spirit, which is the song that we're going to be singing concerning the Spirit of God. See, would you lead us as we sing? Page 389, 389. you a couple announcements and then we're going to sing that song as our invitation or not invitation our closing prayer today because it is a prayer isn't it there's a business meeting right after the service please take note of that i think there's a women's fellowship coming up a number of other things and there's a out a thing to fill out to help us get updated information please take note of those things be a part do what you can with that so as Steve leads us a cappella this time, let's sing that as our prayer to the Lord. Let's do verse 3, the last verse there. Holy presence, love divine, cast out my fear. Holy presence, love divine, Cast out my fear, shield me, free me, call me, lead me, holy presence, love divine, cast out my fear. Amen, and you are dismissed.